0: Hello, and thank you for joining me for today's episode. Today I will be reading Neville Goddard's lecture, and it is titled The Divine Body. This is another long lecture, about 13 pages. So, uh, as with a lot of them, I will be uh, breaking this one up into two different episodes. So, again, this one is titled The Divine Body. Neville tells his audience, Tonight's subject is the divine body. The Bible speaks of two bodies, one belonging to this age and one belonging to that age. It speaks of the body of this age as flesh and blood, and it speaks of the body of that age as a body of spirit. Blake made the statement that man has no body distinct from his soul. That called body is a portion of soul Discerned by the five senses, the chief inlets of soul in this age from Marriage of Heaven and Hell by William Blake. I will share with you tonight my experience of the two bodies, and then you can or and then you can form your own conclusions. Metamorphosis is the central theme of the Bible, the transformation of man into God. Well, here we are in garments of flesh and blood. Garments that grow, they wax, they wane, and they vanish. We all reach that inevitable point where we say that they are dead, and they turn to ash, turn to dust. Yet I know from experience that man does not die. I do know from my own experience. This is not theory. I am not asking any person in the world to support it. I only know what I know from experience. The wise men of this age will say, No, that's stupid. One just died here recently, and on his ninetieth birthday, with all the honors that man can confer upon him, they gave a birthday party for him. His name is Bertrand Russell, and this lady friend of his sat next to him at the party and said, Bertie, you know undoubtedly you are the most famous atheist in the world, and after today, at ninety, You undoubtedly are the oldest atheist in the world. But, Bertie, suppose you are wrong. Suppose, and it can't be too far from now, when you depart this world, you should meet him. What would you say? And with a twinkle in his eye, pointing his finger toward the sky, he said, Well, I would say, God, you gave us insufficient evidence. I can almost hear him say, you gave us insufficient evidence because as a brilliant mind, brilliant mathematician, philosopher, plus the fact of his rigid belief that there is no survival, he couldn't conceive of anything outside of the brain as a physical organ, and its activity made man, and its disintegration was the end of man. But I have news for him that man does not cease to be when men call him dead. I know from my own experience with those who have gone beyond Many of them, the majority of them, do not even know of the transition. They do not even recognize the fact that they have made the transition. So let me share with you one experience of this. A very close friend, or a very close and very dear friend of mine. His name is Jack Butler. He was my secretary. When I came out here, either my second or my third year, he was just about 50 years of age. In fact, he would have been the following December, but he departed in late August. But the day I was leaving for New York City, I received a cable saying that Jack had been found on the floor, that Jack had a heart attack and was dead. So I went back to New York City and attended his funeral. I took care, I took care of all things for him. His sister wanted a Catholic funeral, so we gave him a Catholic funeral in Haverstraw, New York. I went up and took care of all the affairs and paid for the funeral. My sister-in-law, I have two, and this sister-in-law of mine always said to me, You know, I like you personally. I really do, Neville. I like you because you are very kind to my sister, a good husband and a good father. But I don't believe one word that you teach. You know, for I am a Christian in the orthodox sense of the word. She was a pillar and still is a pillar for the Christian Church in Summit, New Jersey. But she said, I don't believe these things that you teach. It's perfectly all right. Now, Jack died in August, and she knew it. In the month of January the following year, say almost now six months later, I am thoroughly awake, but I I am not in this body. This body is on the bed, and I am fully aware of where the body is. I meet my sister-in-law in a world just as real as this, just as real, just like this. And she said to me, I still do not believe what you teach, you know. I said, that's perfectly all right, Al, but look at Jack. And she said, what is Jack to do with it? I said, don't you know that Jack died? And she said to me, Jack died? Before she could say anything further, Jack said to me, who was dead? I said, Jack, you are not dead, but you died, you know. Oh, he said, you're stupid. I am not dead, but I died. Al recognized the fact that he had died, for she knew that I came back from California and had paid for his funeral and took care of the entire thing. I said to Jack, I gave you a good, wonderful Catholic funeral, Jack, in Haverstraw, where you were, and your body was put down in a grave. By now, it's all decayed right in that little bit of earth. If it hasn't yet, it will soon decay and turn to dust. And here you are, solidly real. I said to Jack, come over here, Jack. He came over. I put my hand upon his thigh and squeezed it. It was solidly real, and it was Jack's thigh before he died. Jack looked about 20 or 22 years of age. Now here's a man, 50, when he died. He never wore glasses, he never had any false teeth, he missed a few naturally, some were missing, but here was a man who could look into the mirror, see the reflection of his face, and not recognize the fact that something had happened. He was gone six months, and he did not know of the transition. He knew nothing about it. My sister-in-law, Al, she knew he had gone, and the next day Al did not remember the experience. Any more than 99% of the people today remember these experiences. But I'll change from then on. She became hungry to learn more and more of God. She lessened her hold, as it were, on on that orthodox concept. But Jack did not. He did not know. And Bertrand Russell, at the age of 97 when he died, wearing glasses, wearing false teeth, wearing all the aids that a man of that age needs in order to function here, would look into the mirror and see a young Russell, a young birdie in his 20s, and not recognize the fact that he had departed this life. You see, the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the eyes of God, and in this world of ours we think ourselves so wise. He said, since in the wisdom of God this world did not know God through wisdom, It has pleased God through the folly that we teach to save those who believe. So I meet them time and time again, and they are totally unaware. You know why? Because the world is just like this. You depart this world, and you are instantly restored in a body that is new, unaccountably new, in a world that is terrestrial, just like this, in an environment best suited for the work yet to be done in you by he who started it. Your Father started that work in you. He is transforming you into Himself. He will not complete the work until He makes you Himself. So, you are God the Father. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians six Revised Standard Version Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. You are destined to be Jesus Christ. But until that day he unveils himself in you, as God the Father, you will be in a world just like this, doing what you do here. It may be an entirely different kind of work, but it's a terrestrial world. You suffer there as you suffer here. You go through all the experiences that you have here. And may I tell you, you die there too. You reach the age when you die there, and are restored to life in a world just like this and bodies just like this. Only the body is almost new, not a baby or a child, new, always around 20, 22, 23 years of age. That's about the time that you pick it up. Now it's a mystery. How on earth does it work? Well, let me share another experience to see how it works. 15 years ago in Beverly Hills, I am asleep in my bed. And yet I became aware, and I am seeing a bed that I should not see from the position that I am occupying on my bed. Here I am, looking at the interior of quite a plush hotel, and yet on my bed, no one in my room could see anything but the four walls and the things on the wall. The bureau. The little objects on the bureau. Not a thing could be seen concerning what I am describing. I am seeing the interior. Of a wonderful hotel. I am looking into a wonderful suite of rooms. Consciousness follows vision. And I step into that room. My body is on the bed. I know exactly where it is. My wife is sharing the bed with me. It's a double bed. I went into that room and returned to my body in the bed. I did it maybe a dozen times. Then I said. Now I will venture. I will take the plunge and remain in this room and then explore when i made my decision to remain as conscious followed vision and i stepped in. i'm going to say that again i'm sorry when i made my decision to remain as consciousness followed vision and i stepped into that place the room closed upon me here i am in a world just as real as this in a body just as real as this and then the world closed upon me And I am completely shut out in body, but not in consciousness. I know exactly where a body is. The world calls me by name, or calls me by a name called Neville. I am still aware that I am Neville. I know there's a body lying on that bed next to a woman bearing my name. She is Mrs. Goddard. I am Neville Goddard. And I am going now to explore I see the entire room close upon me, and what seemed from the bed to be a 30 by 10 becomes just a third of itself. It's now an anteroom, anteroom, just a dressing room. I do not go through walls. I act there just as I act here. I went through the door into the hallway. I started down this lovely hallway with plush carpets, and when I came into another hallway intersecting this, it is all lit beautifully lit with chandeliers. Perfect. Two ladies are walking down the hallway, and I say to them, Ladies, this is a dream, because I knew exactly how it started, and I am telling them, This is a dream. And they are afraid of me, as though I were stark mad. I hear something that seemed to float float from the sky. It was floating from the sky. It was attached to the ceiling but I remember something similar that I had seen in a friend's home that I had seen not more than six months before. So memory tells me, because I know where my body is, that this is only a dream. So I started there, and I heard it, and it seemed to me very solid, very real. But remembering that I encountered something similar in a friend's home in the hills of Hollywood, I said, you see? This. Is a dream. I thought at that, or I thought at the moment that this would simply be gossamer, just a shadow of what I'd remembered. It wasn't any shadow, it was as solid as this. Um, And he touches the podium. My hand could not go through it, it was solid. I'm solid to myself. And the ladies that are walking down, they are as solid as you are. They followed what I call the duck file. One got in front of the other. And they got as close to that wall as they could, because they were afraid of me. And they hastened their step and kept on moving toward the end of the hallway. And then, before they disappeared, they looked back to see if this thing is still in the hallway, talking to them. Then I realized, now there is no way back to my body. I can't go back to the room, and from the room, go back. I am shut out. I am locked out completely from this world, and I am in a world just as real as this. That world was just as solidly real as this world, but here I am shut out with unfinished business. My business is, I have a wife. I have not provided for her adequately. I have an uneducated daughter. She hasn't yet gone through high school. She is qualified, I know, as she desires to go to college and I have not made provisions for her college, and I have unfinished business in that section of a world that this seems to be but a section of it. If I do not return to that body and reanimate it, they will find the body and they will call it a dead body, and they will give some reason for the dead body. They will say it is a heart failure. They will find some way to account for it. They have to, first of all, operate on it, For I carried a small insurance policy, so it is customary to open it up to see why it died. I knew that that is simply the end of that body, unless I go back. I closed my eyes, held it for a few seconds. When I opened my eyes, I am still standing in the hallway. I closed my eyes again, and I could see nothing any more than I can see anything now with my eyes shut. I opened my lids, and I see you. I open my lids and I see that wonderful hallway with lovely chandeliers and everything lit. And here I am fully aware of what I did deliberately. Then I remembered something I did many years ago. Before, when I found myself awake in a dream, I wanted to experiment. And I held the object in my dream and I wouldn't let it go. So I said to myself, I know this is a dream. Now hold an object and don't let go. Something that is stationary. Not a living animal that can move, but something stationary, which I did. And holding it, I compelled myself to remember what I did. And I awoke in the dream, and here I am, completely awake in my dream. I realized then that I awoke by feeling the solidity of that world. I remembered that I returned to it, this world by feeling the solidity of this world so then standing there with my eyes shut now to the obvious i assumed that my head was on a pillow the pillow that i knew i had placed my head upon before the whole thing started i could feel the pillow that's all that i did then i felt myself instead of standing vertically i assumed i was lying horizontally And then I could actually feel myself in a horizontal position with my head on the pillow. But I could not move. I was cataleptic. There I am now with a body that is as dead as bodies can be. And I am alive in a dead body. I couldn't move my finger. I couldn't open an eyelid. I could do nothing. Now I know exactly where I am. I am back in Beverly Hills. And the body is cataleptic. And I can't move. It seemed an eternal time, but after maybe about 25 or 30 seconds, I could move the little finger. And then a few seconds later, I could move some more. And then I could move my elbow. I pushed it out, and I could feel the warmth of my wife's body. And after tremendous effort, I could open the eyelid. And there I saw the familiar objects on the wall. I saw the bureau. I saw all the things return now to consciousness. And here is my body that I have shut out completely. What is a body? Blake is right. Man has no body distinct from his soul. That called body is a portion of soul discerned by the five senses, the chief inlets of soul in this age. William Blake from The Marriage of Heaven and Hell. The body I left on the bed is only a portion of this activity of my imagination, which is the real body, and the body that I clothed myself in when the ladies passed by And I talked to them was only a portion of the soul, but still related to this world. That's not the divine body. These are the bodies of flesh and blood. That body would have bled as easily as this body would bleed if I cut it. It's a mystery. It's a miracle how you can produce that body and see it just as you see this reflected in a mirror. How that body can grow as it grows here. How that body can suffer as this suffers here, how that body is entangled with the relationships of men and women, as this body is entangled here. Now, before we come to the divine body, let me give you a story taken from the book of Luke. The wise men of that day are called, in the Bible, Sadducees. They are the scientists of their day. Like Bertrand Russell, they did not believe in the resurrection. They did not believe in survival. If they kept the law outwardly, they kept it only for political reasons. It was wise to be seen in the synagogue. It was wise, for business purposes, to be seen as a holy man keeping the laws of Moses. So they abided by the external law, and they observed the dietary law and all these things. But they did not believe in the resurrection. So they turned to the central figure of scripture, and they said to him, Master, Moses, in the law, said that if a man marries and dies, leaving no offspring, and he has a brother, the brother should marry the widow and raise up issue for his brother. Now there were seven brothers, and the first one married and died, leaving no offspring. The second took her as his wife, and he died, leaving no offspring. And the third, and eventually all married. The seven married her. All died, leaving no issue, and then the widow died. Now, whose wife is she in the resurrection? He answered and said, In this age, the children of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are come to glory to attain to that age, they neither marry nor are they given in marriage, for they are sons of the resurrection, and they die no more. They are now sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. Something entirely different when one reaches that age, the body differs completely, and he is above the organization of sex. He is neither male nor female there. He is man, and God is man, and exists in us, and we in him. William Blake, from Annotations to Berkeley. The eternal body of man is the imagination, and that is the divine body of the Lord Jesus Christ is then the Lord Jesus Christ, functioning in an entirely different body. It's not this body that waxes, wanes, and disappears. It's not this body that needs the companionship of the opposite sex. It is not this body that, between this and the opposite, produces something similar and calls it a child. Well, it neither marries nor is it given in marriage. Not when it is in that body, which is the body of the resurrection. They asked him no more questions. Now what is that body? I will tell you my own experience, and you draw your own conclusions as to this divine body. I was coming through the Caribbean Sea on a freighter. My wife, my little girl, and myself, we were bringing bauxite. That is the ore from which we make aluminum. The ship is going to British Guiana. And they load up just a certain amount, and then they come down the river at high tide, and they can get over the bank. If they took a complete load, they could not get over the bank. So they put on just enough cargo that when the high tide comes, it floats them over the bank. Then they come to Port of Spain, Trinidad, and fill it to the gunnels, for they are bringing all the bauxite from British Guiana and storing it in Trinidad for these ships are taking just a certain amount of the load. Come to the port of Spain, and then fill it. We flew from Barbados to pick this boat up in Trinidad. The ship is down to the water's edge. I wonder how on earth this thing is going to take us to Mobile, Alabama, for that was the port, but we got aboard. They were only allowed to carry 12 passengers on American freighters unless you had a doctor. So, to avoid carrying a doctor, they only carried twelve. We had not a thing to do at sea. The captain called me in the very first morning. He was in an open shirt, a khaki shirt. He said, I am dressed for the entire voyage, Mr. Goddard. We have our breakfast between eight and nine, our lunch between twelve and one, and our dinner between five and six. If you are hungry in between, in this little kitchen here you will find coffee 24 hours a day. There is milk in the refrigerator, cold cuts, cheese. The bread box is always full of bread with butter. You've got everything you need if you are hungry in between. This is a union ship, and we do not serve before or after time. You see all the buttons in your stateroom. Everyone works. Everyone is perfect, but don't push one of them because no one is going to come. And if they do come, at the end of the voyage, I'm going to get a huge whopping bill for overtime. This is a Union ship. I said, all right, sir. I will not be pushing any buttons. I will go into the kitchen and get myself coffee if I need it. If my little girl wants milk, there's milk. I have all it takes. If you drink, he said, I hope you brought your own with you because we don't have it aboard the ship. But the ice is there and the setups are here. So you can have everything you want right here, but not alcohol, although you are allowed to have all you want if you have it already aboard. So I thanked him and told him, yes, I had my supply. So the ship started. You could do nothing of an evening, just a small little deck. So I retired quite early for my entire trip. Well, this night in question, out of the blue with the most thunderous suddenness it came and I found myself. Fall like a spiral out of my bed. And here I am, fully aware, and a heavenly chorus is singing, and they took just three words Neville is risen. And this heavenly chorus is singing Neville is risen. And I found myself in a body of fire and air. It felt that way to me, and the body was self luminous. I didn't need the sun, the moon, the stars. Wherever I wanted to go, I just simply floated, I glided. Here is a body that is fantastic. I did not lose my identity. I am still Neville, but I am clothed in an entirely different body. And the body, though human, is a body of fire and air. And I am a little bit off the surface of the earth. And then, as far as my eye could see, I saw the sea of human imperfection. There were the blind, lame, halt, withered, shrunken, you name it. Here they were in this enormous sea of humanity. I had no compassion. I simply glided by, and I knew they were waiting for me. And the chorus is simply singing out. How they could take three little words, Neville is risen, and play upon it, as they played upon it, is beyond description. But the most heavenly music, only using three words, Neville is risen. Okay, so I'm going to stop um, the first part of the lecture here, and I will continue with part two in the next episode. Once again, thank you so much for joining me. This was part one of two of Neville Goddard's lecture titled The Divine Body. Thank you so much, and I will see you guys in the next episode.